the well abide is hey everybody i'm beth davis welcome back to teachable tuesday every tuesday we discover god's heart and we're changed by his word and we're doing that in a big way all through the gospel of john these past four months i can't believe it uh john chapter 20 today which means next week is our very last week in the gospel of john let's read and pray shall we in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you're already here, that you come with um, arms overflowing with gifts and graces. Thank you that um, in your gaze, Lord, we find the love we're longing for. So help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus in a new way to see your face, a new angle, Lord, a new side of your face, a new aspect of your heart, especially through um, this gospel. Open the ears of our hearts, Lord, to hear John 20 for the first time. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. For she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. 
When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. So many takeaways, so many new takeaways for me reading it aloud to you. Share yours. What's speaking to you? What is the Holy Spirit lighting up for you as we read John chapter 20? And I'm going to share with you what's been on my heart. I prayed with this chapter this week. You know, I was thinking about uh, a time I had dinner with Jenna and Father Parks. This was, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago. And as we walked out of dinner, we were met by this beautiful kind of floating melody in the air. We started to look around like, where's that music coming from? And we saw there was a bridge, an underpass, and, and beneath it, there was a musician who was playing all kinds of instruments and singing. And so we thought, hey, we'll, we'll walk over and talk to him. And, you know, as it happens when you approach someone with a priest wearing clerics, the conversation naturally turns to the Lord. And this sweet musician, his name is Tyrone, pray for Tyrone, uh, he just lit up talking about the Lord talking about the experience he had in his church and growing up in faith. And he said, I want to sing you a song. So we stood around just beaming right back at Tyrone. And he began to sing a hymn I'd never heard before. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. Now, that was not nearly as beautiful or on key as Tyrone was, but my heart melted in that sweet moment, just hearing this man pour out his love 
on the feet of Jesus, pour out his love before us. And, and we were doing the same in our own hearts. Something so powerful about those simple lines, right? Something so true in that song, falling in love with Jesus, the best thing I've ever done. And why falling in love? I mean, it seems kind of emotional, sort of romantic. That's some really uh, heart-opening language, right? Why love? Why falling in love? Why not obedience, right? Why not giving God uh, his, his just due? Why not being uh, le- turning to the Lord in justice? Why not following Jesus because he's truth? He is the truth. Why isn't that enough? Well, Jesus Christ is not an ideal. Christianity is not simply an ideal. Jesus Christ is a person, a living person who loves and who longs to be loved. That's what the gospel comes down to, this pure and perfect divine love of Jesus. It's it's why God sent his son Jesus, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. It's love that motivates God, the heart of God who is love. Love is his only motivation or impulse toward us. And so it should be our natural response to him too. Why love? Because Love decides everything. There's a a poem. It's often attributed to Father Pedro Arupe, but really it was uh, Father Joseph Whalen. He said, nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute and final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. Love decides everything. That's why love is imperative when it comes to following Jesus. Love is the reason that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. This is chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. I'm actually just going to pause right there with my takeaway, just a half a verse, really. While it was still dark, she came to the tomb. Can you imagine the exhaustion that she felt? Can you imagine the grief that she was experiencing? She had spent all night following Jesus through that horrid mockery of a trial. She followed him along the way with his mother, with John the Beloved. She stood beneath the cross as as Jesus died suffered and died, loving him, pouring herself out in love, being present to him. And then she was there as his body was taken down, anointing his body with oil, wrapping his oil physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. She must have been absolutely 
emptied, wiped out. And yet, and yet early in the morning, while it was still dark, she got up and went to the tomb. Why? Jesus was dead. If the story was over, if none of it was true, why did she go to the tomb? Because she was a woman in love. It was love that motivated her. Love was her impulse. Love pushed aside any kind of logic or human reasoning. It was love that brought her to the tomb that morning. Think about the disciples who aren't there with her. Imagine what they must have been going through after the crucifixion, after they abandoned the Lord, betrayed the Lord. Their faith must have been shattered. Hope seemed lost. And yet, Mary Magdalene showed up because of love. When faith cannot carry us, hope has run out. It's love that carries us. Love. The greatest of these is love, it says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love has to decide everything. Love has to come first. You have to fall in love with Jesus, the living person, Jesus, if you want to follow him to the end, like Mary Magdalene. I Just this weekend, I watched a YouTube video called The Chosen Initiative. Perhaps you've heard of um, this series on the life of Jesus um, called The Chosen. And I, I learned in this initiative, in this documentary, that Gen Z was responding in a particularly positive and powerful way to The Chosen. And the directors, the studio, for lack of a better word, <laughs> uh, they were trying to understand this dynamic. Why are these young people, people, young people who aren't in church necessarily, why are they responding to The Chosen? And they began by watching this series. Now, they had no idea what show they were going to be screening. They just put these nine strangers, some men, some women, all different um, backgrounds, all different experiences, none of which had seen The Chosen. And they sat in this room and they watched the first episode. And it was interesting to see they had initial responses to seeing Jesus, to understanding this was going to be sort of a religious message. You could see those guards go up. And after the first episode, even though there, there was a softening, there was a movement, they were still trying to talk about the show from a production point of view. You could hear that they were trying to give um, an insight as to why people might be drawn to the production value, the cinematography, the acting, the way the story was laid out. But very soon after, their conversations turned to the person of Jesus. You watched their face as they watched the miracles unfold on the screen. You saw their hearts through their eyes as tears flowed down their cheeks. They were moved by the person of Jesus, not by an ideal. And they very naturally began to put their own story onto the story of Jesus. That's why the gospel is the greatest story ever told, because each and every one of us can find ourselves in that story. Each and every one of us find Jesus, love himself, the source of all the love we've been longing for in the person of Jesus. We're drawn to Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, the gentleness of Jesus. When, when you really encounter Jesus, he is irresistible. And we saw that in 
on the faces and through the words and in the hearts of each of these nine young people. They were drawn to the person of Jesus. They were falling in love with Jesus or perhaps remembering Jesus. And he was changing their mind, opening their hearts to receive his love. Because friends, Jesus is love. What the scripture says, 1 John 4, God is love. Jesus, the second person of the most holy trinity, he is love. Love and mercy itself, he says to St. Faustina. He is love and he loves you. And he longs to be loved by you, you personally, you uniquely, you especially. If you're watching this, Jesus wants you to know that he loves you and he wants to be loved by you. So how? How do we love Jesus? How do we fall in love with Jesus? Well, I propose to you that the same way we fall in love with any other person, right? We spend time with them. We listen to their words and we talk about them. I'm going to give you three T's to help you remember this falling in love. Talk and treasure and tell. We spend time with Jesus. My pastor has this phrase. It's so true. He says, time is the currency of friendship. If you want to know someone, if you truly want to know their heart, if you want to learn what they're like, how they are, that happens over time. That happens with investment. And for somebody like me, whose love language is quality time, time is imperative. I need to know in different seasons, right? On different times of day, depending on how I show up in the relationship, I need time. Spend time with Jesus. What do I mean by that? I want you to spend time every single day with Jesus consistent, uh, specific, disciplined time, daily prayer. That's what I'm talking about. I want you to spend time, just even five minutes with Jesus every day, talking to him, sharing your heart, hearing his voice. Maybe you're wondering, how do I hear his voice? How do I find out who this person is that I'm spending time with? Who is this friend that I'm investing in our friendship? Well, turn to his word, treasure his word. Why treasure, right? Why not just spend time in the word? I want you to read it again and again and again to savor it. That word of God is living and active. That means it comes alive. That means it matters here and now. The word is a seed that plants itself in our souls and the Holy Spirit brings it to fruition. We may not understand it all the moment we read it, the first time we read it, so we keep reading it. We keep reading it and God himself will reveal it to us. We can't become too familiar with the scripture. That's why we have to spend time with God. We're, we're not reading it separate from that relationship with God. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to spend time with God as you're reading and treasuring his words, savoring them in your heart, reading them again and again and again. And finally, I want you to tell your story tell your love story. Ultimately, that's what Mary Magdalene did. She went to the disciples, right? What were her words? I have seen the Lord. 
She talked about her own experience. She didn't explain how. She didn't even say, uh, she didn't give any details, right? She just said, personally, from her heart, I have seen the Lord. She gave them her story, her love story with the Lord. And then when the disciples, they encountered Jesus, they went to Thomas and said, we, we have seen the Lord. They, they're telling their love story that they encountered Jesus alive and it changed everything. Right. You can imagine what all was captured in those words. I've seen the Lord. It's all true. It's all true. He kept his promise. He's alive. Everything he said is true. I have seen the Lord. And so, friends, in order to tell your story, you have to know your love story. And so today I want to invite you to go back with the Lord and I want you to remember your own love story. It might not seem that exciting to you. I think sometimes we uphold these um, really intense, dramatic conversions, and we think that's the way, right? That we've only really been converted if we had this radical turning from one way of, of life to another. But let me tell you, if you're following Jesus, that's a dramatic conversion. You've turned away from the world, from from the false promises of the world. And you've put your eyes on Jesus, the living God. You're falling in love with a person. And sometimes that love is a slow burn. Sometimes that love starts uh, very young and unfolds and grows and deepens. So don't despise your own love story, but go back with the Lord. Begin to see all of the ways that God's been pursuing you and speaking to you. Look for those patterns, what scriptures meant a lot to you as a young girl? Uh, when did you first encounter Jesus? When did you first begin to think, maybe, maybe God is real? Maybe God loves me. When did you first encounter that love for yourself? And like Mary Magdalene, say, I've seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. For me, it happened in high school. Although my love story started long before with the pursuit of Jesus, from the moment of my conception, my love story, my responding to Jesus began in high school. I remember uh, the first time I read Psalm 139, I knew it was for me. I knew it was about me. God gave me the grace to read that Psalm and to think, this is for me. It's like he wrote it only for me. And, and I went through a season, even recently, where I went back in my Bible, in my in my time with the Lord in the morning, and I just I just started to reread it. You know, I'd spent so many years thinking that was so silly. Like I didn't know anything. I I didn't know anything about Scripture. Psalm one thirty nine. That's so cliche. But as I opened my Bible in my morning prayer, I heard the Lord say in my heart, "Read it out loud. Read it to me." And I began to whew, read it out loud to the Lord. I couldn't even get through it. I could barely get through a few verses. It was so intimate. It was so personal. And the Lord gave that to me years before I could fully understand or receive or appreciate what he was saying to me. That's a very tender part of my love story that he poured out his love, that he planted that seed of love in my heart as an insecure, lonely, teenage girl 
reading Psalm 139 alone in her bedroom. And I want you to go back. I want you to remember how much the Lord loves you, how he's been pursuing you and speaking to you your whole life long. I want you to fall in love with Jesus because it's the best thing you'll ever do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Reveal your love again, gently, as you do. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you blow away any cobwebs that have, um, that have fallen or formed over our memories? Lift the veil, Lord. Remove any obstacles to seeing this gentle and relentless pursuit of our hearts our whole life long. Jesus, we want to see you again. I ask for encounters with your love. Jesus, right now, encounters with your love. We want to love you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, friends. See you next week for John 21. Bye now.